Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is still being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez, and I write about baseball and other things for Bleed Cubby Blue. Good morning, y'all. I am Andy Cruz Vanasek, and well, who knows if y'all actually get this in the morning, but um, yes, it's Friday, and the Cubs pulled off a come-from-behind win last night, and lots of other baseball things. Lots of other baseball things. We are definitely going to jump into it. Before we start uh, with some Cubs news, though, I just want to say that I had a lovely little extended break over this Labor Day weekend, and my mind certainly needed it. How about you, Andy? Oh my gosh, seriously. It, it's 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 crazy because, you know, we've not talked about baseball in almost a week now, and it feels like forever. And especially in a shortened season, it definitely it definitely is like you feel like we've missed a lot on on podcasting over the last week. But, you know, we're just going to pick up and keep moving, and we got some exciting baseball in the days ahead. So here we go. Yeah, totally. And like, I just want to say, like, Andy's the best because I was getting text messages that were like, hey, I can't w- It's been like a week since we've talked. What's going on? <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm so used to talking to Andy multiple times a week that I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't even. But it was good. It was good. Taking a break is good. That's what Labor Day is for. Um, and now we're back at it. And the Cubs have 15 games to go in the shortened season before what looks like a trip to the playoffs. But I don't know. We're going to talk about how optimistic or pessimistic we're feeling about this team as we head into the postseason. Before we do that, um, we would be remiss if we didn't take a look back at the long weekend series, the five games against the Cardinals that were just kind of, I mean, I don't know. Like, it was kind of May. <laughs> it was just like the Cubs lost three out of the five. They just... I don't know, Andy. How are you feeling about those Cardinals games? Well, I kind of feel like this Saturday doubleheader, you guys can all blame on me because I was <laughs> spending time at my cousin's house and um, I didn't really, I mean, I watched some of it, but I wasn't like how I normally am with St. Louis Chicago games where I'm sitting full attention. Like I don't even move until it's a commercial type situation. And um, so I kind of feel like you can blame those on, on me. Um, and that was really tough because we're, you know, in an area where there's more Cubs fans than Cardinals fans and here they are still pulling out wins. So, um, yeah, I was very meh too. I mean, it it didn't feel like a normal, um, series between them. I I don't know why. I I just, I, I think it's almost because they're still in second place looking up at us and have a lot of games to go. So there wasn't near as much smack talk, I think on their end or like, you know, giving Cubs fans trouble. Um, at least if there was, I wasn't really paying attention, which also tells you the mindset of this season too, because typically I engage, which maybe that's just my mental health <laughs> talking to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, this series was just kind of, eh. you know, I mean, we had a great Darvish win on Friday um, against Flaherty, which is always fun to see those kind of matchups. But after that, it was just, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of, eh. Well, <laughs> we took two of three or two of five. Uh, you know, I mean. It- <laughs> yeah, the whole five thing. Like we were doing, we were both doing this before the show. Like the X of five games is so weird to say. I'm just not even used to it. I can't, like I keep saying like three of 
three of three, whatever. I'm like, oh my God, there were five games in the series. But, you know, it was good to see the Cubs um, win that series opener. I thought, I agree with Andy that the Cubs taking that first uh, game, Darvish getting the win, really doing a great job of getting to Jack Flaherty early. I think he only pitched like two and two thirds innings in that one. It actually looked like this series was off to a great start. And then the Cubs just kind of disappeared for three games before showing up in the series finale, which I I don't know what it is with this team. I feel like they, you know, look really good for a game and then the bats go on hibernation and then they look really good again. And I, I would like the real Cubs to please stand up. Listen, if we can bookend this season, though, and get some really good um, play from them at the beginning of the season, how we started off on fire and basically what gave us our padding to stay in the first place basically this whole time, and then bookend it with with another couple weeks of great baseball, I'm all on board for that. Like, that is exactly what this team needs. And, you know, to to get going again and to kind of get the bats going, I think at this point in the season is probably the best thing that we can wish for at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, with the, and with the short season, you're seeing how much um, little streaks can matter a lot, right? So the Cubs have 15 games left to play in the regular season in 2020. Over their first 16 games, they were 13 and three. I don't think they have another run like that in them, but I would not be surprised to see them break out of this like 500 malaise that has taken over the entire NL Central for what it's worth. Like nobody in this division wants to be over 500. <laughs> it's it's crazy to me and I'm just going to go ahead and put this on my wish list because um I'm sure I'm not alone and and this is obviously getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I would like to be able to beat the White Sox. Like that's just my wish list item right now for the end of this season. I don't want those games to matter as much as they probably are going to. And if they're going to matter that much, I'd like to go ahead and beat them. I know that's a tall order right now, but let's work on that. <laughs> well, you're, we're going to get a chance to see the White Sox one more time before the season is over. And you know that is going to be a banner day here at Cup of Cubby Blue. You will not want to miss that episode, people. I am telling you now. However, before we get to the White Sox, we have a few series left to go. Uh, A couple of notes from the St. Louis series that I just want to make sure we talk about. I am worried about the state of the starting pitching for guys not named Yu Darvish and Kyle Hendricks. I'm not entirely sure how the Cubs can go on the run that Andy described if they only have two pitchers who are getting it done every few days. What, what is your, what are your thoughts on the starting pitching, Andy? (sighs) That that's basically my thought. <laughs> Deep breath. A, a long basically. sigh. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I can imagine Andy's children when Andy sighs at them like that, with just like this look of disappointment. Uh, I will say, you know, I'm very happy that Alec Mills pulled a win out of this Red Series. Um, he's definitely been kind of up and down. You know, I was just thinking about this before we were recording, and we basically going into this weekend with Milwaukee are you know, going to run with a couple of pitchers that have struggled a little bit. And it's really, you know, I feel like a broken record, but you really just, you got to put your best foot forward at this point in the season. And you know, they're not going out there and trying to fail, but whatever it is that is holding these guys back, you know, making them not the pitchers that they once were. And I guess I'm looking at you, John Lester, um, you know, that some, 
he's a veteran. He's a very smart man. He knows himself and, and you know, he's going to hopefully figure it out. And if, if the gas is just out of the tank, you know, it was a good run, but there's, we can't keep going with something when it's broken. You know, you can't just keep thinking that it's going to fix itself if it's not actually doing that. So I'm hoping that if this is the case and we have a pretty decent amount of arms in the bullpen ready to go, that the leash is very short and that, um, you know, we yank some of these guys that struggle early on in some of these games pretty quickly because these games are all, you know, if you look at the schedule, very winnable games. And I say that because um, I think maybe two games are against, um, not counting the White Sox, are against teams that are above 500. So, uh, yeah, we need to pull out some wins. And if our pitching can't do that, and if it's struggling, then we definitely need to to come quick with the reserves because it, you, we just can't. We can't let guys go too long in innings anymore. There's just too much at stake. I guess what I, I'm hearing there, and I totally agree with you, there there needs to be a quick hook for – I love John Lester. I will always love John Lester. I think he's a grinder. I actually think that he's going to find a next level where he – I don't think he's going to look like he did at the start of the season – but I think that he's going to just figure out a way to get things done, kind of like what we saw from Lackey towards the end of his career, too, where it was like not pretty, but he could just grind out five or six innings and you knew it was going to be OK. I am concerned about this bullpen situation, though, because, you know, the Cubs are going into Milwaukee tonight. Lester will be starting uh, against the Brewers. And yesterday was basically a bullpen day with Adbert Alzale taking what four innings like he didn't make it out of he didn't make it into the fifth right so the bullpen has already ha- been taxed a little bit by the fact that two of our five starters are on the injured list like this team is really missing the innings and the quality of starts that they could get from a Tyler Chatwood or a Jose Quintana right now uh, you couldn't be more right. And I actually meant to read this article, but I got caught up in something else. And there is something here on um, Chatwin and Quintana facing big tests to return. So I'm hoping that means that it's in the discussion um, that either one or maybe even both could could come back. Um, man, and could we use them? You know, uh, Chatwood, how he was throwing this season, granted, you know, there wasn't a ton because he, he was injured pretty early on and, and struggled once or twice. It's still, it's still nice to see new arms come in and and take some innings and definitely starting arms, because that is an area that we definitely need to, um, to be better at, to be a playoff team and not just a playoff team, but a contender. Like it's not just in my book and maybe I'm alone here. I don't mean to be ungrateful or spoiled or anything like that, but it's not just enough for me to say that we made the playoffs. Like I actually would like to win in the playoffs and, and some of the teams that um, I've been watching from other divisions and even, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals who right now, the way things are, we would be pitted up against. It just, it doesn't feel comfortable. I don't feel confident with going in with the pitching, the starting pitching that we have other than, the obvious other than you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks, but they can't, they can't start them all. (laughs) Well, exactly. And, you know, at this point you have to wonder what you can get out of Chatwood and Quintana, like assuming that they come back healthy, they're not going to be able to give you 
seven inning starts, right? Like you're not going to get the length from them that you would get out of a Kyle Hendricks right now or out of a U Darvish right now. So what you, what you need from them is you almost need them to combine into like one guy who can give you six ish innings between the two of them and call it Chatana or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> he like the, the hybrid pitcher that like starts as Chatwood and becomes Quintana in the fifth. I, I I'm okay with that. Like, I don't, like I'm I'm cool with getting creative here, but there needs to be if the Cubs have a shot in the postseason and if they are going to have a fun run to cap their 2020, like the run they got on to start their 2020, Chatwood and Quintana have to be part of that, right? Oh, I mean, 100%. At some capacity, whether it's even just getting a couple innings out of them, like a starting situation where they just come in as an opener type deal. Yes, at some capacity, they have to be part of this team for for there to be success involved, you know, in the, in the pitching position. It just is a must, you know, and you don't want to force the issue. You don't want them, obviously, to re-injure themselves. But even just to come in and take a couple innings, um, like you said, a combination, get creative, whatever, it would be huge. It would be huge. It would be a good relief for the bullpen and, and some of the other arms that have really ate up a lot of innings. Absolutely. Um, so while we're talking about the starting pitching, I, th- I think it is also worth mentioning, you know, the bullpen has settled down a little bit since some rocky outings at the start of the year, but I- I'm still not loving <laughs> what we're getting out of the pen, like who is your guy outside of Jeffress, who we know is the closer and can get it done? Like who is the guy that you can go to to get two or three innings if a Mills can't give you six, if a Alzale can only give you three or four? Who's your guy, Andy? I mean, there's a couple of names that come to mind. They have not been absolute nails like Jeffress, but I would say I like, I really like Wick. He's done well. Um, I'm not going to base any of this off of last night because it was a sloppy game. I, sloppy in the sense that it was raining like almost the entire game. So um, I like Wick. I like Ryan. Um, a couple of the new guys that have come in haven't been bad. I mean, you know, there's the way that it's been going. I, I don't have any major complaints um, about the way that Ross has managed the pen, which is new for me because typically <laughs> typically that feels like an area that we've always struggled in that we've always had complaints about so you know I, I mean yeah he's really he's he what was what were they saying he called it he called it pockets pitching pockets um and basically what he means by that is he looks at the at batters in, in groups of three because that's how you can line up your pitchers obviously they have to pitch to the minimum of three three hitters so he 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 matches up against pockets, which I think is very a very cool way of looking at it. I'm sure he's not the only one, but I just like that he 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 poses it that way. I I really like how he's been putting stuff together. I mean, it's worked for the most part. Nothing has imploded too much, with the with the um, exception of the one game versus the Cardinals. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's worked, and and really, Jeffress is the only one that I feel 100 percent confident in, and he's been amazing. Like. He is, he's my long-term baseball boyfriend. We'll just go ahead and adapt that term to him because he's been, he's been awesome. And what a great addition to this team. You know, I I just, I think on any given night, you're going to find somebody in that bullpen that's going to work. And I mean, David Ross has done a good job of kind of working his way to whoever that is each night. 
100%. I, I agree that Ross has done a great job managing the pen. I did not mean to call out the pen for Ross's management. I think his decisions have been great. I just worry a little bit. Like, God forbid Kyle Ryan struggles, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Kyle Ryan is like the linchpin of the middle innings right now. You have to, like, use Kyle Ryan for a couple of innings, get yourself to a Tapera or a Wick, pray that good Kimbrel shows up. <laughs> Oh and yeah, then you can close with Jeff. I mean, <laughs> wow, that was a whole lot of of reliever words that you just said, and it's like, man, <laughs> please, nobody, nobody, go any direct, go down in any way, shape, or form, because you know, I mean, I feel like we're getting a lot of good pitching, but we need somebody to kind of emerge as the the dominant, reliant one out of the bullpen. And right now we're still kind of looking for that. So totally. <laughs> um so we we'll put a pin in starters and relievers, but I do think that this season really rests uh, on pitching. Like the remainder of what is going to happen here is dependent on the Cubs pitching, figuring out a few things because they're they're just not going to go deep into the playoffs if they're only getting great starts from Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish. And, and there's just no margin for error with that. And, and I think that they know that. I, the Cubs certainly found themselves in a lucky position by having that hot start. In fact, uh, Jordan Bastian from MLB.com, who covers the Cubs, had this great quote from Cubs president of baseball operations, Theo Epstein, yesterday, uh, where he kind of just talked about the state of the team with two weeks ago. And what Theo said is, we're in that spot where we're atop the division we have a lot of work to do, a whole lot of work remaining to accomplish one of our goals and win the division. We haven't really played all that well for a while now, so we're kind of fortunate to be in the spot we're in and to have this opportunity in front of us. It'd certainly be nice to find another gear and start playing well down the stretch, bookend the season with good stretches of play like we had at the beginning. Certainly, it's all of our hopes and expectations that we close strong that way, too, and that the standings will take care of themselves and we'll have some momentum going into the playoffs. I mean, Andy, it sounds like Theo is basically wishing for the exact same thing you are. It doesn't have any more specifics. I was going to say, I think that might've been where I got it from, <laughs> but I was, I, I mean, obviously we're all thinking the same thing. You know, you, you are extremely happy that they started off this season that they did the way that they did, because otherwise there is no way we're in the position and we're, we're in right now. Just no way. With two of our starters going down and all of that, you know, there's no way that we could maintain first place without having the cushion that we gave ourselves. So, yes, that was it was amazing to watch the baseball that we watched in the beginning of the season. We knew it was not sustainable. It was not going to last. It was not something that the Cubs could do throughout the season. So hoping that they come back to something resembling that type of play is I don't think it's that far fetched. I mean, without the two starting pitchers that we have right now. Um, Quintana wasn't even involved in that play. He was still on the IL. So I think it's, I think it's totally possible. We need to get some bats going, which we will discuss. I'm sure. Um, we need to see, you know, our pitching, our starting pitching, especially remain consistent, but you know, really it's just a matter of, you know, I feel like their approach has, has changed, has kind of shifted over the last week. And, um, you know, you, you feel like the end is near. It's just crazy to me because I feel like we just started. But, you know, it, it's just it's got to be good, consistent baseball over the last two weeks. And, it, you know, it's got to amount to some W's. Absolutely. Let's talk briefly about this Red Series. Before we do, the team looks very different than it did last week. So if you were watching the Cubs a week ago and you tuned into a game on like, I don't know, Thursday night, 
there were so many new faces and we should talk about this a little bit. Jose Martinez, we hardly knew you. He is a he has been optioned to the South Bend site. He was struggling at the plate. And and it's really like I cannot stress enough at this point in the season, if you have 14 or 15 plate appearances without a hit, you're struggling. <laughs> like there's no time to work out the kinks of that, right? And so I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with Jose Martinez per se. I'm sure that he'll be able to contribute in the future. But at this point in time, they really needed to get his back going and they sent him to South Bend to do that. They did that to make room to pick up Billy Hamilton, who you may know from, you know, all those times he would get a walk and then just run the bases for the Reds for years and years and years. Uh, although I will note that in his like first pinch running appearance for the Cubs, he's got caught stealing, which I thought was just, you know, that's the that's the story with, of twenty with a rookie right catcher there. too, a rookie catcher. I couldn't even yeah. believe it. Yeah. I was like Billy Hamilton. Even Billy Hamilton can't run on this team. <laughs> this team needs to stop running. That's all I have. Well, to hold say. on a second before you get carried away with that. Cameron Maben is not stealing bases, but that man has wheels, and he is so <laughs> fun to watch on the bases. Like he turned it, uh, what would be a normal routine double, stand up double, into a triple last night. And I'm telling you what. It was late and people were sleeping in my house. I didn't even care. I was cheering out loud. Like, I love watching speed on the base pass. And and he's got a lot of hustle in him. And I'm telling you, he's another new face that has contributed already and I believe will continue to do so. He's um, somebody that has played all three positions in the outfield and done done fairly well. Um, you know, I just, I love that we made an addition like this. We don't have speed on this team, you know. We were hoping with Billy Hamilton, we brought that in, um, fail on his first attempt, but you know what? Try, try again. Um, Cameron Mabin, I just love his, I love his contributions thus far, what he's done. He, he seems like kind of a spark plug, spark plug. And, um, I'm really going to, I'm going to keep an eye on him. He is my new baseball boyfriend. I love speed (laughs) on the base paths. And like, um, I believe it was Ryan Dempster was saying last night, speed does not slump. So if you're fast and you have a little tapper to the infield, which he's already showed us he can do, you beat out that that hit, that infield hit every time. And once he gets on the base bases, who knows? You know, he's 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 fast, so he can make things happen. So he is one I'm going to be watching, and I would recommend you do the same because he's going to make things happen. Yeah, we are definitely going to talk a little bit more about Cameron Maben as we look ahead to this Brewers series, but I, I think you're absolutely right. He's been a contributor to the team. He's been great on the base paths. He's been really fun to watch. Um, So in addition to turning Jose Martinez into Billy Hamilton, at least temporarily, uh, Adbert Alzale was recalled from South Bend to pitch yesterday. I would not be shocked if he got sent back to South Bend so they could bring up some bullpen help for this Brewer series now that he sort of hit his pitch count for the week. Uh, Steven Souza Souza Jr. was DFA'd and has cleared waivers. He was granted his release. And you may have seen a new face on the base, base paths at second base. And, and I want to talk about this a little bit because I do have some quibbles with David Ross's managing, but more in how he's using Nico Horner at the moment than anything else. But that um, was, you have seen twice now, Ildemaro Bar- Vargas. I'm not sure I just said his first name right. Ildemaro Vargas. I apologize. <laughs> There were a lot of moves. Oh, and sorry, the last one that I wanted to highlight was um, Andrew Chafin, who the Cubs picked up at the trade deadline, 
is throwing uh, bullpen sessions in, as part of his rehab. He may be coming to spell the pen too. I swear that's the last move for me. <laughs> for today. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the, if the last show is any indication we're going to get a move by the time we're done recording. Andy's going to be like, wait, wait, somebody's getting Don't out yell soon. at me. <laughs> it's not me. It's no, not me. Not <laughs> it's not me. I swear. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's definitely interesting. Some of the things that we've happened that we've watched happen with this team and the moves they've made, but I, I, you know, let's, let's do it. I mean, this is a weird season. Let's just, Let's continue to contribute to that and 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 make it a, a you know a merry-go-round of of players and and who's in who's in and who's out because wow yeah my head was kind of spinning I think after I started looking at um, some of the guys added and and, and who else was optioned and and DFA'd so but it's good it's all good get some fresh people in here see what they can do yeah I, I'm I'm interested to see how they contribute down the stretch. I think so too. And you know, we're, we're going to find out. Uh, they definitely contributed in the Red Series. I think that you identified early on in this episode, the linchpin of how the Cubs were able to win that series that relied on getting a quality start out of Alec Mills that gave the, ch- the team a chance to win one of those games. I think that Mills, Lester, if those guys are stepping up to provide some quality starts in some of these series, the Cubs could have a real nice end to the regular season in 2020. But if they're just relying on Darvish and Hendricks, that's not going to be the case. Speaking of pitchers who are coming up, we have an entire series left to preview in the Cubs and Brewers. That series will kick off at Wrigley North tonight, Friday night. But first, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. Don't go away. There's a lot more on the flip side. All right, we are back. Andy, It is down to the wire. There are 15 games left for the Cubs. There are more games left for the Cardinals. A lot more, actually. I think like 23 or something insane, if I just counted correctly. Um, But the Cubs currently have a, I'm going to call it tenuous three-game lead in the division. How do you feel about the state of affairs in the NL Central? Well, we've seen that lead go up and down quite a bit. And the only thing that really bothers me and worries me a little bit, and and we kind of watched this when they played the Cardinals, is that with the Cardinals having so many games and the Cubs not having as many, that there's going to be days where we're going to watch, we could watch that lead get really small and we would have absolutely no control over that. So um, that's why I stress so much that these games are must win games. Um, and I don't mean like must win, like, you know, it's like game seven of the World Series or anything like that. But you obviously want to get the W's where you can right now because you're controlling your own destiny in that situation. We do not want it to come down to us watching the Cardinals play the Reds. You know what I mean? Like that's we don't want to have to worry about that. So, yeah, I mean, it three games is not comfortable to me at all, being that, you know, the Cardinals have eight more games than we do over the next two weeks. It's just, it's, it's not a good situation and, you know, it could go the other way. Also, you could see somebody like Milwaukee get on a stretch after they play us, of course, and win a few games and the Cardinals lose and those guys flip flop. So, you know, it's any, anybody's, anybody's division right now to win. Basically, I feel like Um, the Cubs definitely have to control what they can and win games that are winnable and, and, you know, score early and score often because it just, it's not comfortable. This division is not comfortable. And I really feel like at this point, even though there's 15 days left or, you know, a couple weeks left, 
it's anybody's division. Um, I like that the Cubs are three games ahead, but again, that's, it's not, it doesn't have to stay that way. Right. And I I think the thing that makes me nervous about this and look, a three game lead is a lot better than being back three games. So the Cubs are in a nice position as they control their own destiny in this division. But the, the thing that kind of freaked me out a little bit that happened earlier this week for the first time is that the Cardinals finally passed the Cubs in the loss column. So the Cardinals actually only have 18 losses right now. The Cubs have 19. And I really want that number to be a place where the Cubs are ahead. I think that's the number that controls your own destiny, right? Because that's where you you can you control whether you keep winning. You don't have to worry about whether another team has to lose or not. And right now the Cubs need the Cardinals to lose another game. Now, admittedly, I don't think the Cardinals are going to go on like a 7-0 tear. So I think that this will probably equalize itself out. And I'm not all that worried about one game. But it is worth keeping an eye on that loss column because you want the Cubs to be ahead in the loss column. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, again, the Cardinals are a team and I, you know, <laughs> if you've listened, you know, I watch the Cardinals because that's obviously I live in St. Louis. That's what's on my TV. And so it's been very interesting to me to watch um, their approach and how not only that, but their, their people feel about them and the rest of this season. So um, yeah, they don't, they're not comfortable either. I mean, nobody really is. This is such an odd season and every turn you take, <laughs> every turn you make something changes or something's different. And it's just, yeah, it's just been kind of one of those things. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to watch down the stretch. And I think it's going to be interesting between the Cubs, Cardinals and Brewers. I don't think that the Reds make any kind of move to get back in this division, but, or even a wild card for that matter, but stranger things have happened. And I'll tell you what, if it depended on Trevor Bauer talking crap, (laughs) They might. They might win the division. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am so over Trevor Bauer. Like, I am not. So, look, I love Len and JD forever, and I, I think we're lucky to have them as the broadcasters for the Cubs. I think they're absolutely great. They have such a crush on Trevor Bauer, and I just find him annoying. And I, it's like they talk about Bauer when we're not playing the Reds and Bauer's not pitching. They just talk about him. I'm like, why is this guy such an object of fascination for the dude? I Listen, <laughs> totally I completely it. agree with you. And I definitely like did this with a very shaky hand, but I got into his mentions and I was so afraid he was going to come for me. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, you know, but you shouldn't have to be scared of that. Like this is, yeah, no, I know this, this is a grown man who has a public platform and, our our little podcast has to worry if Trevor Bauer is going to come for us at our mentions because he does that to people, which is well. Crazy. And I want to be clear here: I was not, I did not see anything negative as one of his fans or his, you know, which is crazy to me that I look at the the posts that I look like look at, and there are so many Cubs fans that have this love affair with Trevor Bauer, and I don't understand it. I mean, I don't, I don't like sit and talk crap about him by any means. He is a very good pitcher. There's no doubting that he is a very good pitcher. However, his personality and his attitude and his, his quirks off the field are what make me dislike him as a person. But the other thing that I kind of think about too, is that he very well could become a cub. I mean, that is not, that is well, and that is not, you know, and that's kind of why I feel like Lennon JD do what they do because I think that they might be preparing for him to be a cub. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to me. I made a comment. Somebody had said uh, that Trevor Bauer owns the Cubs. And I made a comment that, whoopsie, might not have watched his last start against the Cubs or the 2016 World Series. And, you know, I got quite a few likes on that. But he also was very, very much aware of the fact that while people were giving him props for his performance against the Cubs in this series, they were also, you know, saying he's not always pitched like that against the Cubs. So he ha- he made this whole video on his YouTube channel about what went wrong in the 2016 World Series, why he couldn't beat the Cubs. And I'm sorry, but that is all on you. Like you were the idiot playing with a drone that sliced your finger open. You were <laughs> the idiot, you know, basically, if it weren't for you, I mean, who knows the outcome of the 2016 World Series? We won't go there, but that's, it's serious. I mean, that is obviously the case. So yeah, it's just, it's funny to me um, how how much Cubs fans love him. And it's also very annoying because I just don't. (laughs) I feel like our little corner of Cubs Twitter does not love him. I feel like our little corner of Cubs Twitter is like pretty skeptical, but we're now doing the thing that I have just said that I hate when other people do. Like we are just not going to talk about Bauer outage today. So Uh, We are going to talk about some other pitchers. The Cubs are facing off against the Brewers for a three-game set at Wrigley North, although I wonder if the Wrigley North advantage still holds when the Cubs can't pack it with fans. We're going to find out. Uh, The first matchup, John Lester versus Brandon Woodruff. The second is Kyle Hendricks versus Brett Anderson. The third is Alec Mills versus Adrian Hauser. What jumps out at you in these matchups, Andy? Well, you definitely – I don't – I'm not excited about Kyle Hendricks on the road this season with good good, – good reason because obviously he's been he's he struggled a little bit on the road so you you worry about that just a little bit but he's Kyle Hendricks and he's still gonna you know he's still gonna give you a good outing he's still somebody that is extremely intelligent and knows this lineup very well and he's done well against this lineup he's just not done well on the road so it'll be interesting to see how that matchup fares um obviously Brett Anderson and Brina Woodruff are, are two guys that you know, have the, have the ability to pitch very well. So it'll be interesting to see if they cool off our bats or if we're able to come in and, and, you know, have some sort of offense, because obviously that's a concern. And other than last night, we had struggled a bit. So John Lester, obviously, you know, you want him to be the John Lester that he's figured himself out to be in times when he struggled. And, you know, if that means that he can only pitch two innings he's got a high pitch count and he's just not able to find his zone you know then then so be it and he is somebody that has been very vocal about he knows himself and he knows if stuff isn't working he's going to take the heat 100 percent. you love that about him but at the same time you don't want him to be in that situation you'd rather him just you know have a good outing so, um, yeah, this series is going to be very interesting and, and really, I mean, we can pull off two wins if not sweep the series, but again, you know, baseball is going to baseball. It's, it's a matter of, you know, who's hot on any given day at this point. Absolutely. One of the things that jumped out at me in these notes about probable pitchers, well, two things, actually, Brett Anderson and Adrian Hauser both, uh, have been getting a lot of ground ball contact. So we'll see how that plays against some of the Cubs batters who have been really doing some damage at the plate lately. It also looks like Adrian Hauser has sort of had the tale of two seasons going. He had two starts that were uh, just dazzling 0.75 ERA 
And over his next six starts, that went up to 7.34. So it's sort of a question of which Adrian Hauser are you getting? Is it the really effective one or is it the less effective one? I am rooting for the less effective Adrian Hauser to show up in the series finale on Sunday. In terms of who is hot on this Cubs team right now, I am just going to kick this off because my guy, Wilson Contreras, is doing damage. And I knew I knew he was going to break out of that funk. I liked the approach he had at the plate. He was taking a lot of walks, even as he was struggling and he was making a ton of hard contact. But I don't know that I was prepared for a two-week period where he was going to slash 360, 439, 540 with a WRC plus of 164. So welcome back, Wilson Contreras. You were sorely Listen, missed. Listen, that man, last night, four for four. I mean, and he wasn't just like, there was no weak contact. Like, he was scorching the ball. He looked really good at the plate. And, you know, he's the kind of he's the kind of teammate that when you watch him and you watch his mannerisms when he gets on any kind of tear or starts making contact, he is one that very easily can pump up this entire team. I mean, he had me pumped up, okay? I love Wilson Contreras. When he is on fire, he spreads the fire. I love it. So hopefully, you know, Javi Baez went over and, and rubbed his arm a little bit or something. I don't know. Something needs to happen there. But Wilson Contreras, definitely welcome back to the offense. I'm happy to see that you brought your bat. Yeah, before we get into Javi Baez and his struggles, I do want to give props to two other players who are also red hot right now. Welcome back to the lineup, Jason Hayward. There was a bit of a scare for a couple of games. He was pulled because of some lightheadedness and he was having some trouble breathing. That seems to be under control. He's been back and just picked up right where he left off. I mean, this is really the best we've ever seen Jason Hayward play in a Cubs uniform. I think it might be as good as his time in that 2015 season in St. Louis, where he was just such a hard batter for us to get out. He is slashing 353, 489, 647 over the last two weeks with a WRC plus of 193. And Ian Happ just continues to be that guy. Like he is just doing it all. And I love it. Uh, Ian Happ has worked his way quietly into the MVP conversation. And I'm not saying he's going to win, but I'm saying he's going to get some votes. He is slashing over the last two weeks, 278, 339, 685, and does not seem to be bothered by the leadoff role at all. I mean, <laughs> I Ian Happ and Jason Hayward, two unlikeliest of candidates for who we would be talking about the most this season. We knew that Ian Happ had he had the potential to be there. He has a ton of talent. It's just a matter of him going out there and being able to produce. He has done that and at a level that I am impressed with on a game basis. Like every single game, he has done something different, whether it's his defense in center or his plate approach. He has been awesome. And I love him at leadoff, but he's going to get to the point where, you know, he's he's hitting so much and making contact and having such good plate appearances that they're going to want to put him in a spot where he's able to move runners around. I am fine with that. Go ahead. You can go ahead and put Horner up there. Jason Hayward batting almost 300 this season. I mean, he has been so fun to watch. And yes, I was really scared about whatever was happening with him when he had a couple games away. I will say that when I was watching, I was reading on social media that, well, you know what it is. No, you don't know what it is because the same time that you're posting that, he is literally in the dugout. Like they would not let him be in the dugout. He wasn't playing. But he was in the dugout. So, no, that's not what it is. Like, calm down, people. Um, but I, I just love him and what he's done this season. And his, like, he's always had a certain swag. 
as far as like, even though he wasn't the offensive player that we always wished he would be, he was, you know, he's a gold glover in right field. Like you, that is enough for me. But to see him with a swag at the plate and a swag when he is hitting and getting on base and scoring runs and, and, and moving play, you know, moving runners around, it's so refreshing to see that from him. And you kind of feel like he's, he's turned it on a different level. And I love that. And I hope he continues with that for this season and all the rest of the seasons. <laughs> right. Let's talk about Javier Baez, who is really, really struggling. And it, it looks like he'll break out for a game or in a bat or two. And then the plate approach at the next at bat is just not particularly great. Over the last two weeks, he's slashing 146, 175, 255. His WRC plus is nine which means that he's 91% worse than the league average at driving in runs. I have been a pretty big proponent of moving Javi down the lineup while he's figuring this out. It just, as much as it hurts me to say that having him in the heart of the order as like almost an automatic out right now is so hard to watch when you've got firepower like Contreras or Schwarber coming up behind him. I mean, yeah, this, I mean, this hurts my very soul to watch him struggle the way that he's been struggling because we all know that he is harder on himself than any one of us could be. I mean, that's just the kind of person he is. Um, Gosh, and it's just, you just, yeah, I mean, the second you feel like he's figured it out and he's had a, he has a a couple good plate appearances or, you know, at least takes a few pitches or whatever the situation is, you feel like, okay, good. He's turning a corner. Then he goes back to like, Oh, for four, the next game. So, um, and not just over four, but like really looks like he's lost at the plate strikeouts. Like, you know, that, uh, it just, it's, it's really hard to watch. And, And hopefully, you know, I've said this a million times. I'll continue to say it. I don't think I'm completely off base here, but this lineup has some very good, some very good hitters and it good enough that if a couple guys are, are, you know, hitting a slump, there's another couple guys that will step up. So I feel like, yeah, it's nice that we're in first place. It's nice that we have a three game lead, but imagine where this team would be if somebody like Javi Baez could break back out and, and start to, to hit the numbers that he's used to hitting. I mean, it, to me, it just, yeah, it, it's awful to watch him struggle like this and I, you hate it because you know, what he can do. But at the same time, if he's going to struggle and we're still in first place, we're not losing a bunch of games because of how he's performing. You know, it, it's hard to watch, but if if that's the way it has to be right now, maybe he figures it out before playoffs. Maybe he starts to put something together here at the end of the season and starts to peak at the right time. You can only hope at this point because, you know, it's been in how many games now where we've watched him bat the way that he's batting and it's just very unhobby like it is very unhobby like there was a really interesting piece in the athletic from Patrick Mooney earlier this week where Javi discussed that not having access to video between plate appearances had really changed his approach and and not for the better that he's somebody who made adjustments on the fly after watching some video 
footage uh, after an at bat to see what the pitcher was doing to see how he should adjust in the next plate appearance. I don't know if there's anything to that. I I mean, he's going to have to figure it out without that. There is no video. Thank you to the Astros forever for ruining that for players. And he's not alone there. I think a lot of players used to study that video to inform their plate appearances for the next time up. I mean, I know I've seen Chris Bryant with like an iPad trying to see exactly what's going on from his previous plate appearances in between times at the plate. But I, we really need Javi to figure this out somehow before the end of the season and get hot for the playoffs. I'm also just a little concerned, and I, and I don't want to be like, I don't want to speculate or anything, but he has also made some mental errors in the, in the field that I'm just not used to seeing, like some bad throws, some sloppy transfers that are just very un-Javi-like. And it's, I, I hope everything's okay. Like, I just want him to break out of the funk and be the Javi who is magic to watch, you know? Well, I will say, and coming from a player perspective, and obviously not the same thing, I played fast pitch softball and not major league baseball, but I used to have many coaches that would say, you get one hit or you beat out one infield hit or you turn a double play or you make a great defensive play. And that carries over to both sides of the game. And I believe that to be 100% true. So yeah, 100%, I think that it's possible that his... His offensive woes are, are are rubbing off on on what he does defensively. But I also think that all it takes is one magnificent hobby play, whether it be stretching out a single into a double and having a fantastic slide at second or turning a ridiculous double play, which we watched him and Chris Bryant do the other day. And I thought that was the sign of good things to come. So I think all it takes is one very hobbyish play, whether it be offensively or defensively and and he can start to find his groove again because you know I a hundred percent believe that it carries over into both sides of the ball and I think you know he's just way too good for him to continue to play at the level he's playing and yeah I mean I think the the thought of him not being able to have access to video that might be in his head a little bit I think if he just goes out there and and does what he knows how to do you know it's baseball he's been playing it since he could walk I mean you know, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. I just hope that he figures out how to be fine sooner rather than later. Awesome. Let's take a quick look at who's hot on the Brewers, who you should be watching out for at the plate as this series kicks off over the weekend. Uh, Man, always going to be a pet. Jed Jerko is like on fire apparently because of course he is. Uh, He's slashing 385, 467, 846 over the last two weeks. Ben Gamble, who is always, always, always pesky when he plays the Cubs, is has also had a really solid last couple of weeks, slashing 333, 467, 417. And then you've got a couple of guys who are like kind of playing in platoon situations with Jace Peterson, Avsail Garcia. And of course, he's, he has not been on fire lately, but the Cubs are in town. So everybody keep an eye on Orlando Garcia. I mean, for Pete's sake, it... it... <laughs> These guys, these guys don't, I mean, you don't hear a ton about them until the Cubs come to town and then all of a sudden they're, you know, hitting the lights out of the ball. Jed Jerko, seriously, come on. I mean, (laughs) he's, yes, he's a good baseball player, but you know, it just, it's, it's frustrating. And then like, I mean, there's the obvious Milwaukee Brewers who do really well against the Cubs who are like at the bottom of um, the Brewers stats you know it's like they just show up against the Cubs that's fine I mean if that's if that's what you guys want to do it's just so aggravating um 
yeah, Ben Gamble is another one. I feel like he is a Cubs killer, and he probably gets three starts this weekend when he is not typically a starter. Um, or has he been this year? Yeah, it looks like he might be. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I really just, I really um, want to see, you know, Christian Yelich, if he starts to heat up against the Cubs pitching, let's be smart about how we're pitching or not pitching to him. You know, I mean, that's not a hard concept, I don't think. Um, and some of these other guys that have, have done well against the Cubs in the past, Arcia, I feel like had a really good series against us the last time we played the Brewers. These are guys that you, you, you can afford to, to pitch around. I mean, their lineup is good. It's not stacked. You can afford to pitch around these guys. So if a situation arises that they have the ability to hit a grand slam or hit multiple runs in, let's go ahead and pitch around them. I mean, I don't understand why we're scared to do that. And especially with a John Lester on the mound, you know, I mean, I, I, I love John Lester. He is somebody that is, you know, will always have a special place in my heart, but let's be honest. He has not been the same John Lester of old. So we need to be smart about how we're pitching to some of these guys that can really hurt us. And I hope that David Ross figured that out from the last series. I hope so too. If David Ross has figured out that he can and should pitch around a few of these guys in key situations, you know that we'll be back to talk about it on the next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, you can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at at BRYZ underscore Blue. You can find both of us at at Cup of Cubby Blue, where we will be tweeting out all of the additional information from this episode, plus anything interesting that is coming up from this Cubs Brewers series as the Cubs look to close out what's been an all right season with a really strong push heading into uh, pandemic baseball playoffs till next time.